Welcome to Side Hustle City. And thanks for joining us. Our goal is to help you connect to real people who found success turning their side hustle into a main hustle. And we hope you can too. I'm Adam Kaler. I'm joined by Kyle Stevie, my co-host. Let's get started. All right, welcome back everybody to the Side Hustle City podcast. We got a special guest with us today, Jason Algusain. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Adam. And a Cincinnati guy here, actually in studio. This is wild. I know. And of course, Kyle Stevie here. Yo. Yeah, actually, actually came in. Yeah. To be physically present with our physically present guest for once. Nice. And everybody gets to go on a two week vacation when they want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going on another one here soon. So this is our busy vacation time, Jason. This is like. It's our, me and my wife's anniversary, it's her birthday, it's Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. Nice, Yeah, nice. we got all the crazy stuff going on, so. But uh, speaking of Halloween Horror Nights, a lot of creative people down there, and you, sir, are a creative. I am, I am. Um, I uh, My degree is in graphic design and web development, um, and I do, you know, fine art and photography and stuff like that as well, um, and kind of eventually transitioned more and more down the the programming software engineering rabbit hole but um you know i'm still an artist at heart uh just doing my thing love it i will be not speaking this whole podcast then because you guys are gonna nerd out (laughs) (laughs) well i don't do too much art anymore but uh, i also went to school for art i I went to art institute of pittsburgh but it was for computer animation multimedia but i went to school for the creative performing arts downtown Nice, you know, pretty nice. much my whole career, I've been doing design and web design and all that good stuff, but haven't really personally, I mean, I do HTML and everything, but I haven't, I don't do it. Yeah. I just hand that off to other people and I don't do a whole lot of uh, development work. Yeah. Um, but you're also a painter. I mean, you're more like the fine artist probably too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always kind of had like a strong artistic creative bone in my body where, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I was always drawing and painting. And, um, and then that kind of eventually led me down into graphic design in terms of, you know, college and my career and things like that. And then it was in, while I was in school, you know, when you, when you're taking a graphic design degree program, you're kind of required to take some introductory programming courses as well. So, HTML, CSS, things like that. Just kind of like very introductory, very basic, but parallel to my, my design degree, I kept going down, um, the rabbit hole of programming, like taking JavaScript and .NET and database engineering and things like that. So I kind of consider myself like left brain, right brain, you know, not just, not just an artist or a designer and not just a programmer, right? I'm, I'm someone that tries to do both and can do both and, try to do both pretty well for my clients and, you know, things like that. Well, and Kyle, you will talk during this because he's also into real estate. All right. That'll work. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, so I'm also into real estate, which is weird, yeah. but I mean, maybe it's because like artists don't get paid a whole lot. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, yeah, Hey, yeah, we need exactly. to supplement this. Yeah. Like if we're ever going to get out of this world where we're freelancing and we're, you know, yeah. getting paid nothing to work for, you know, a nine to five job or whatever, we have to, uh, we have to do something else. Yeah. You got to have the side hustle, you know, and you got to have it. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of a shame. Uh, and I don't feel this way about artists, but I feel that society feels this way about artists, which is that, in general, you know, they're undervalued, underpaid, things like that. Um, and that's actually part of the reason why I chose to, you know, in terms of my career transition more into software engineering, just because it's like, Hey, 
this is a little better pay. Um, you know, like graphic design, uh, even if you are a graduate and you have a degree, I mean, the starting salary of a graphic designer is not super impressive, you know? Um, and then everyone always wants to like, Hey, if you design this logo, like you'll get some oh, exposure, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone wants to ex- pay you an exposure bucks, but you know, I can't pay my mortgage with exposure bucks. So it's like, you know, I need real, you know, cold, hard American dollars. Right. So, um, this software engineering is, uh, is a little more, um, up my alley in terms of, um, you know, just getting paid decently well. Um, but also like, I really enjoy the technical, um, challenge of it. And I feel like I would be really bored if I were just painting, you know, doing art and painting and things like that. And I also think I'd be really bored if I were just doing programming. And so actually being a, a front end web engineer is like kind of perfect for me because I design user interfaces. And so I'm using my creative side to, you know, go along with the branding and marketing of the whole, you know, overall strategy of whatever the website or app is that we're building. But then I get to focus on the technical execution and, using my more analytical side. And I feel like having the ability to flex both muscles on projects while I work is, is nice for me because I were, I would be really bored if I just did one or the other. Yeah. 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 Well, what did you, where'd you go to school? I went to Cincinnati state. Oh yeah. I went to Cincinnati state. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I took some classes there. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted to get a bachelor's degree. So I'd gotten a two year, um, degree from an art school. Yeah, right. And it yeah. was a national accreditation. It wasn't the regional accreditation. Yeah. So not all of my credits transferred over and I wanted to get a bachelor's degree and I needed to get those gen eds out of the way because we yeah. had no gen eds yeah. in, at the college I went to. So I had to take my writing classes and all that. But, um, you know, I took my HTML class there, my CSS yeah. class. Uh, a buddy of mine got his web degree there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that school is underrated. Like Dude. seriously, they just, they just focus on what you yeah, need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a phenomenal school. And I, I really, now that I'm older and looking back and I have more maturity to appreciate certain things that I've experienced through my life. Um, I realized like what a great opportunity it was to go to school there. Um, and it was, you know, a very affordable college, really small, intimate class sizes where I developed, you know, really good long time connections with all of my teachers. Like I still go out uh, to coffee with, you know, my old, uh, English teacher and grab beer with my old, uh, graphic design instructors and stuff like that. And, and so it's really cool to go to a college and form those bonds with your instructors that become like lifelong, lifelong bonds. But it's also really great to go to a school where you are actually taught extremely valuable hard skills and, you know, really at the end of the day, it's like anyone can be like a manager or this or that. But like at the end of the day, when we're talking about building a web app or, you know, designing, you know, anything, it's like, you need to know how to use design software tools, right? You need to know how to build an architect and program a web application. And how do you put that on to, you know, a hosting environment, you know, AWS server configuration, things like that. So it's like, to go to that school and have such an affordable college tuition and then be able to graduate and come out of there with like just really banger, awesome skills, right? Like uh, I only have a two-year degree, right? I only have a two-year degree. I joke around with people and tell them I have a four-year degree because it took me four years to get 
but I only hold a, an associates of arts of graphic design. That's what I had for years, yeah, man. And yeah. then I, that's when I decided I was like, I was in a job interview one time and I said, what would be good to pair this with? They said marketing. Yeah. Like you pair yeah, art totally. degree with marketing, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I went and got my bachelor's in. But, you know, I was able to transfer a lot of those credits over. And, uh, you know, I've got a nephew who's in his senior year in high school right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother and I were talking and um, my brother's wife, we were talking. We were like, hey, you know, what should he? He wants to be an audio video. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. But I was like, just go to Cincinnati State the first two years. Like if yeah. you're not exactly sure what you want to do. Just go to Cincinnati State for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Take those gen eds. Yeah. They're a third. It's like, dude, it's like a third of the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see super affordable and it super all transfers affordable. over. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why would you go to UC yeah. for the first two years? Yeah. When yeah. you could just do that. Cincinnati State is totally like a little hidden gem. And I think and, and this kind of goes back to like how society values things or undervalues things. Right. It's like, you know, as an artist, I always felt kind of like society doesn't appreciate other artists, right? You know, it's like, they're not getting paid very well. I think sometimes people consider artists to be like these, like, you know, loopy doopy people that just like, Oh, yeah. You know? (laughs) Well, and, and you do, you paint and you, you, it's not just, uh, on a canvas. Your canvas is the city. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, a while ago I painted a mural. It was actually during COVID. I live across the street. I live right by Finley market. Okay. I live right by Finley market and OTR and, um, across the street from my building was this really ugly, dilapidated abandoned building that my front windows of my building kind of look out and face. And the side of that building had been, you know, parged over with just concrete. So like you're talking about a 50 foot tall, solid gray concrete wall. Beautiful. Yeah. It was very beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, and so kind of like during COVID, you know, there was not really much to do. Um, I kind of had, you know, a bit of free time and some money and was like, Hey, this would be a great time to like, maybe just go paint a mural on this building, which I didn't have any permission to paint this mural, by the Forgiveness, way. Forgiveness, not it's permission. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, dude, it's over the Rhine. Like, yeah. They're spinning out cars right now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's worse things going on than you beautifying a gray 50 foot tall building. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of thought I, I, you know, my attitude towards the thing is like, you know, I, I genuinely did try to get in touch with whoever owned the building, but it was like impossible. Like the it's building bank. is, well, the building was wrapped up in an LLC. Oh yeah. You're going to go find And that. that LLC, then I look up who owns that LLC where that LLC is registered. That LLC was registered back to the abandoned building, you know, the statute and the statutory agent was like a totally obvious fake name was Robert Jones. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I kind of had done a bit of research and dug deeper into the title and kind of came to the conclusion that it was owned by someone previously who had been convicted of like some sexual offense crimes or, you know, something like that. And when I realized that I was like, dude, I'm just going to go paint this building. And like, I don't think anyone's going to give a shit if I painted this thing or not. And, you know, and if, if I do have some type of problem or lawsuit or conflict down the line, like I'll just deal with that when that happens. But like for the time being right now, I'm just going to go ahead and paint the thing. And so one day I just kind of like rented a boom lift and got a ton of paint from home Depot and just kind of started painting this thing. And it's a painting of, uh, 
of orange groves um, of Palestinian Jaffa oranges. So my mm. dad, my dad was a refugee uh, from Palestine from the war of 1948 when Israel was uh, established. And um, subsequently, my family um, all became refugees at this at this point in history. Um, and my family had owned a pretty considerable amount of land in which they grew oranges on. And so part of our family history always kind of reminisces about this, these orange groves that my father, you know, when he was a child would get to run around and play in with his siblings and things like that. Just like how everyone in the United States, if you say Florida orange, like people know what that is. In the Middle East and also in Europe, if you say Jaffa orange, people know what that is. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so Jaffa is a port city on the coast of the Mediterranean in Palestine, where the oranges were actually shipped out of and exported to, you know, different countries throughout, you know, Europe, Africa, the Middle East, sure, you know, just kind of all around. You got access to all that. Yeah. 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 And then what's, what's really interesting too, is um, the history of oranges in Palestine. Basically there were like us agricultural agriculturalists or hort, uh, horticultural horticulturalists. And um, that actually copied some of the same grafting techniques of Palestinian farmers and started applying that to the Florida orange, orange trade. And this goes back, I mean, this goes back to like the 1800s and, and all of this history is actually really well documented, but it's not very widely known to, you know, just common everyday people, but you know, the Palestinian orange growing has been going on for centuries in Palestine Um, and then, you know, those techniques were sort of, you know, brought over to, to the United States, you know, back in the day. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to be a part of that little history. It's cool to have something like that in a place like Cincinnati too. Because yeah. when you think about Cincinnati, you don't think of this extreme diversity. Like yeah. we're not New York, yeah. we're not yeah, yeah, LA, yeah. we're yeah, yeah. It's I mean, essentially Midwest black city. and white. You yeah, know, it's like fifty yeah. percent black, fifty percent white. Yeah, yeah. You don't have like a bunch of Palestinians here who. Yeah, got- yeah. There's, you know, there's a small. So, I mean, for me, I actually the first time I ever met any Palestinian people, like in my entire life, beside my own family, was I was like twenty one years old, twenty years old, or something like that, and it was when I had moved to Cincinnati. Um, oh, and really? I, yeah, and I happened to like be walking down the sidewalk one day and I, I heard some people speaking Arabic in like a cell phone shop. Right. And like, and I was in the hood. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm walking into this like cricket wireless, like in the hood, like Gilbert, <laughs> Gilbert Avenue. Where's people know. selling cell phones outside of my place in front of Dollar Tree yeah, right now. Yeah. 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 And so like, I hear these guys like speaking Arabic and you know, I, I only speak like a very, very limited amount of Arabic. Like, you know, I can say, hello, how are you? Go fuck yourself. You know, about as, like much yeah. about as much yeah. German as I. Speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so, like, I walk into the cell phone shop and I say Ahlan was Ahlan, which is kind of funny now that I look back on that, because Ahlan was Ahlan means like welcome. So you don't you, you don't say welcome when you're walking. Yeah, into you their store. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like but the guy understood like what I was saying was like, hello. Right. You yeah. Know? And, and you. Uh, the word Ahlan can also just be used like, you know, less formally to say hello, like Ahlan, you know, like, yeah. but, 
But for me at the time, I'm just saying Ahlan was Ahlan because when I would travel to the Middle East, that's how people would say hello to me. And I'm think I'm hearing it as hello, hello. And now that I have a more deep understanding of Arabic, I realize like, oh, this means welcome. And it like you don't really say it when you walk into someone's house or someone's shop to them. Yeah. You know, they say that to you. It's like when you're at the airport and they say, have a nice trip. And they're working at the TSA or something. And you're like, you too. And you're yeah. like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or, exactly. or yeah, you know, those yeah. kind of situations. Well, it's funny because that I'm talking to you because Sunday we were in, um, where the heck was I last week? In Orlando and we were looking for mass, right? So we're, my wife looks it up. And we find an 1130 mass and it's at uh, St. Jude Church in Orlando. We go in there. Well, it's a Maronite church, which is the Eastern Rite. Mm. And they're a separate thing. They've been doing it. I mean, they've been doing it the way they do it for millennia, like over a millennia. Orthodox or was it Catholic? It was Catholic. So they're in there. They're good with the Pope, the Holy See, but they have a different process. Like I'd say 80% of it is what you would experience if you went to a Roman Catholic church. Mm-hmm. But when you open their book, yeah, part of the mass was in Aramaic. Mm. Yeah. So when you open the book, the right side, they have a set of Aramaic and my buddy Lath, who I believe is Palestinian. I posted a picture of it uh, okay. and he goes, that's Arabic on the other side of yeah. the, of yeah. the Aramaic. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it was Syriac Aramaic, mm. So I guess Syrian and Aramaic are kind of yeah. the Syrian type of old language. Yeah. But it was cool because I'm sitting there and it sounded like Arabic. Yeah. But it's like literally the it's the language Jesus mm-hmm. spoke. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this mass and they're actually doing this. It's almost like it's cool when you go to like a, a Latin mass. You know, you're like, wow, I'm in a Latin mass. This is pretty cool. But go back even further than that. Yeah. And that's what they were speaking. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then, and like, even there's a ton of different dialects of Arabic. So it's like, you know, people that live in Egypt and speak, you know, Egyptian colloquial Arabic, um, if they go to Morocco, people in Morocco might have a hard time understanding them or, you know, or same with Portuguese, you go to Brazil and you go to Portugal. It's like two different, like it sounds different. When I was in Portugal, it sounded like Ukrainian. Yeah. I was like, this sounds like Ukrainian. Yeah. Yeah. Spain. They use like Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Catalan. And, um, well, you know, Spanish. Those two are totally different. Like the Catalans, they speak their own basic language. They've got derivatives from Spanish, but it's, like Lionel Messi, he still can't speak Catalan. He grew up in Argentina. Yeah, even Mexicans crazy? and Portuguese or Puerto Ricans, they have different ways of speaking, and their slang is different. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, I can I totally understand or that. Like, but yeah, like verb tenses, Latin Americans they don't use the second they don't use second person familiar plural. So like I went to Cincinnati Public. Yeah, well, <laughs> for us who went to places that actually cared about education, let me explain it. You grew up in Northern Kentucky. That's yeah. a fancy education. Now that's where yeah. you go. Yeah. But basically, like when I would say you, like you two here, there's a different verb conjugation. They don't use that in Latin America. Oh. They still they just use singular the whole way through. Yeah. Oh, I can see that getting confusing, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's wild. But I mean, that's cool. You were able to meet up with people, and then you were able to share some of your culture yeah. with Cincinnati. Yeah. And there's probably people, were there any stories or anything done on that? 
Yeah. So Cincinnati magazine actually ran uh, cool. like a feature piece on it. I was kind of like, I was wow. like, Whoa, six pages. That's, that's like, a classy that's a magazine. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of writing about the painting. Right. And so I was pretty honored. I was pretty honored by that, especially because I had entered, I had entered the mural to be um, part of like the blink, uh, you know, to be lit up yes. during blink. So I People had, don't know what blink is, but blink in Cincinnati yeah. is this, uh, it, it's like any kind of painting on a wall or whatever. They, they do these like laser projections onto the paintings to make it look like they're coming alive. Kyle actually has a building down the street here. He's invested Filey, in Filey, Filey, the group from Brooklyn. Filey's the Filey. I don't know. F A I L E is the people that painted it. Oh, is that who painted your building? They painted ours. And then we're first financial right next to it. It needs to get six. touched up. Well, you got nice. a guy right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, so they make it look cool. Like he's yeah. got a car on the side of the building. So it makes it look like it's kind of bouncing and uh, driving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and they do it around windows and it's really, really cool. So you, you had, you wanted so, to be a part of it. Yeah. So what, what happened was, you know, I painted the mural in 2020, like during COVID pandemic. And then, you know, because of the pandemic, um, large scale events, large scale events like blink, you know, were obviously put on hold for a few years. And so, yeah. you know, blink didn't run. And then kind of like really toward the end, you know, um, blink kind of announced like, Hey, we're going to boot up for 2022. And, you know, my mural had been, you know, painted in, in the city of Cincinnati for about two years already. And I thought like, okay, Hey, this will be cool. Like I would love to have this mural like lit up during blink um, and so I had submitted the mural to be a part of, to, you know, officially be a part of blank. Um, but you know, the location of my mural is kind of like just maybe like two or three blocks outside of like the footprint of like where blank really mm -hmm. operates and, and is approved by the city of Cincinnati with permits and road closures and things like that. So it was not ultimately was not uh, included um, in blink, you know, the mural itself. Mm. However, the guys at blink really did a great job of including me in other, um, other parts of the, sh of, oh, blink. That's so, good like, of them. Yeah. they had me paint a small mural um, in an alleyway, at, you know, in Finley market. Um, and then I also worked on, there was a secret walls battle um, on the side of uh, uh, Agar's studio. In oh OTR. yeah. 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 And so I was a part of like the secret walls painting battle and stuff like that. And so, so although my mural was not able to be included in official blink capacity, the guys at blink really did do a great job of including me, you know? So I, I just want to throw that out there. Um, that thank you, you know, Justin over at blank for, you know, including me and stuff. Um, but the thing was, was like, I was still kind of bummed out that my, my mural, like my big mural wasn't going to be lit up. Right. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just do this. Right. Like I'll light it up myself. So I, Oh, so you, yeah, dude, dude. you just take the bull by the horns. Don't yeah, you? dude. I just like, I, You're I, like I could unofficially be part of this. Yeah, yeah. What are yeah. they going to do? Like, I, he added so much value to this guy's building too. I yeah, know it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and so the thing, the thing that's like kind of funny about this whole situation is like you know I the type of person I am is like, I'll, I'll always give something a shot. Like, you know, it's like, okay, oh. like, well, let me, let me just see if I can raise the money and light it up and do this. And, you know, and, and if it doesn't work out, like that's okay. 
but I'm not going to tell myself no, like, oh, I can't do that. That's a crazy idea. I'll never be able to make it happen. Like my attitude towards pretty much anything is like, just give it a shot, you know, like just give it a shot, try, you know, make that phone call, network with people, try to see how we can pull this thing off. Right. Yeah. And so it was literally six weeks before blink actually was going to happen. Um, and I had kind of crashed a blink artist meetup. Cause like I keep in mind, I'm not officially a part of blink, you know, doing their thing. Right. So, so I kind of crashed this meetup and I was, um, I was looking for someone who could help me with projection mapping. Right. Because I already had the mural, I, you know, I already had the mural. And then I also, because my background is in graphic design and animation and stuff, I was like, well, I have the building and the mural and I, I'm able to animate and do stuff on my computer, but I don't know about the equipment, like projector equipment and projection mapping onto the building and stuff like that. So it's like, if I can get someone to help me fill that void, then we can do this project. Right. And so I, got really lucky, um, that I was introduced to a guy named Byron Hutchins, uh, here in Cincinnati, who does a lot of, um, theater, like technical direction for theater, mm. um, things. So yeah. like, you know, that's dealing with all, you know, lighting and, you know, things for a theater set and projectors and just like the whole, you know, music switchboard equipment, computer animation, like he's just brilliant on all of those things. Um, and then what was really cool about this guy in particular was as I was talking to him and I showed him my artwork, um, and I was explaining like, Hey, I painted this, you know, picture of these, uh, Palestinian Jaffa oranges. He was like, dude, say no more. I'm totally going to help you out at its heart. You know, the, the painting symbolizes joy, right? You know, it's bright giant oranges against a big blue sky. Happy times. Yeah. It's like, it's happy times. It's good vibes. It's, you know, um, and it's, it's kind of like a hope and a wish that we could return to that together. Right. You know, not, totally. not just as Palestinians, but as Palestinians and Israelis and if and anyone else who wants to come and visit and live in Palestine. It sounds like something right? you would want to light up at blink. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, you know, I wanted, I wanted to light the thing up. And so what, what had happened was, you know, just by chance, you know, I had met this guy, like I said, Byron, who understood the history behind everything. And because he understood the history and meaning behind my art, he was like really enthusiastic about helping me. Right. He, he really wanted to help me. And I was like, dude, that's great. Like, cause I need someone, I don't want help, just help. I, I want someone who like, really gives a shit about this project. Right. And well, cause you can get help with people. People are like, yeah, I'll do that. And yeah. You gotta beat them up about helping you. Yeah, No, no, no. It's like, I really wanted someone like I could depend on and count on. And Byron was a dude that really came through for me. And he's the guy that really made this all happen. And, and with him, you know, working with him, I was able to understand like, okay, well, how much are these projectors? Like, where do I, where do we get them? How do we rent them? What kind of projectors do we need? Where do they need to be placed? You know, all this stuff, there's so many logistical details that go into all of that. And, you know, he was able to like, kind of help me plot out a budget. And then with that budget, I knew, okay, how much money do I need to raise, you know, to do this project? So, I threw together a GoFundMe campaign for like 20 grand because, you know, renting these projectors themselves were 
that was like seven or eight grand, just like Golly. renting, just renting the projectors for, for how long? Five days. So because blank, yeah, blank is four days long, but we need to have the projectors like one day in advance to like calibrate. Right. So we had a five day rental on these projectors and that was in, that was above seven grand. Dude, just, we're in the wrong business. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, you, yeah. Projector rental you, can only, yeah. you can only do the focusing from like what? Seven thirty at night. To- well, I mean, dude, these guys were up at like three or four or 5 a.m. working on this. It like it really took a lot of work from everybody. And I basically also these projectors are not these are not like little tabletop projectors. Okay, these things are the size of like a Mini Cooper. Okay, these are these are like high intensity laser projectors. And basically, so here's the deal. The city wouldn't give me a permit. Right. The city wouldn't give me a permit for a street closure because the city had already issued so many street closure permits for blank. officially part of yeah, blank. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the reason, so the city wouldn't give me a permit. Right. And so the reason why that's like relevant to any of this stuff is the best position to put the projectors in would have been like just directly in the middle of the street, right across from the building. Okay. But because we weren't able to use the street, we had to bring the projectors closer to the building, which then decreases the amount of spread that's coming Mm -hmm. out of the lens of the projectors. Right. So then what we had to do was when we realized like, Hey, we're not going to be able to have a permit. We're not going to be able to use the street and we can't go further away. We have to go closer. Um, we need two projectors. We need two. No. Yeah. We needed two That's projectors to, to cover, so you need two, to cover right? the square footage of the building. And so we actually oh. had two projectors set up, um, like kind of like cross beam, you know, like the left projector is projecting onto the right side of the building. Like the right projector. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then, you know, we have to split the video footage and assign half of the video, fo- like, you know, half of the frames go to this projector and half of the frames go to that projector. Wow. And then it all needs to be playing in synchrony. Wow. Right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, like, by the way, it's all synced up with music. So we have to have a whole speaker set up and things like that. And then the trigonometry, like, you know, these guys that were calculating the trigonometry of like the light disbursement from the lens of the projectors, they're like, hey, we need to put these projectors seven and a half feet up off the ground. Right. So then, well, what do we got to do? We need to build scaffolding towers to put these projectors on. Well, the freaking projectors weigh like 450 pounds. Oh man. So So now how do you get a 450 pound piece of electronic equipment, seven, eight feet up off the ground? Now we need a forklift, right? Oh my God. So it's like the amount of dude, just like, it will take you an entire business day just to like make a phone call and get a forklift to show up somewhere. Right. Like, so just that. And then like, I'm managing, like I had to pull guys off of my construction project because I'm, you know, I'm having a house under construction here in Newport. Um, I'm pulling my part of my crew off of my construction project to say, Hey, you know, Chris Gerardo, I need you guys to come over here, uh, pick up a truck, you know, get your truck and your trailer, pick up some scaffolding equipment, meet me here at this time. We're going to build these things, you know? And at the same time I'm doing all that. I'm also like trying to like hype up social media to like run this GoFundMe campaign. Right. And then I'm managing this like GoFundMe campaign. I'm managing like a whole crew of people helping me with equipment. And also, by the way, like I need to be animating and like designing graphics for like the actual animation that's projected. Right. right? Yeah. 
And, and so I, I had, dude, I mean, I hadn't slept for like two weeks, basically leading, leading into blink. Okay. And I actually kind of like last minute, one thing that was going on is like, so my, my, you know, MacBook pro is like a 2015 MacBook pro and it's, it's been a great computer. I've had it this whole time. It's like, it's really held up for all the work I do. Um, but when I opened it up and I started to dive into actual animation work, my computer like just kept crashing and like, you know, not able, you know, 2015 MacBook pro, not really up to snuff to handle, you know, 2020, um, Adobe after effects and, you know, just like all the rendering and stuff like that. And so I had realized like, dude, my computer, I'm not going to be able to get this project done. Yeah. You know, on my own last minute, just like hail Mary. This is probably like three days before blank. I'm realizing like, dude, I'm not going to be able to finish this. I call up a buddy of mine, Mike, who, um, also went to Cincinnati state and I call him up and I was like, Mike, you know, I got a check for you. I'm Aww. coming, I'm coming over to your house and you're going to help me animate this. We're going to drink a bunch of coffee. People like when and, you say check. Yeah, check. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, big shout out to my buddy, Mike Wolfram, uh, for helping me animate. And also my buddy, Greg, who I went to college with as well, um, helped me, you know, set up different things in after effects to like really get the project on a good, uh, on a good footing. And so I had done, basically what I had done is, you know, I had to split up some of this animation work in order to really get it done in time, in time for blink. Um, and Mike and I were both, um, up, I mean, I, I wasn't anticipating this, but like I, I slept over at his house for like two or three nights because we, we just, I showed up, we worked all night until like three or 4am passed out you know, woke up again, like a couple hours later, went back into the animation studio, drank more coffee, cranking out, you know, I'm basically doing the design and prep work of the graphics and then handing them off to Mike to actually animate the graphics on his, on his computer. Cause his computer had like way more CPU, oh, GPU yeah. meat, you know, to, you, to, yeah. When I was in college, man, just rendering those animations oh, yeah. and everything was just took days. Yeah. Like, no, it was no, no. Crazy. It's people and people like, if you don't actually have a like technical experience with like animation work and rendering and stuff like oh, that, you're in trouble. That is a huge oh. amount of time. It's a huge amount of time. I had a 30 second animation in college and a bunch of SGI computers in a lab. Yeah. And I think I had 11 of them running yeah. overnight. Yeah. To, yeah. to render my animation. Yeah. Yeah. So this, you know, this honest, and also, I mean, here's the thing is like, you're talking about like a, what was that? Like a 30 second. Oh, this was in 97 something? too. Yeah. yeah. It was a 30 yeah. second animation, yeah. but so my, crazy. my animation was actually six minutes and like 45 seconds long. So like, Oh my gosh. To render yeah. All that out was actually like a lot. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and then there are certain aspects like of rendering where they can render those frames pretty quickly because it's less complicated but then we had done, there's like one part of the animation where we have like the oranges are kind of like bursting with, oh, like, you know, like cool. kind of like a, a burst, uh, like liquid effects, you know, but that kind of like liquidy explosion type of animation, you know, that takes a lot of computational power for a computer to generate oh, that, yeah, that and, and render it. So, yeah. so basically, you know, we do this project. Um, while Mike and I were in the animation studio pulling all nighters, drinking coffee that, <laughs> that I actually had the crew of the projection guys, all the set projector guys were down on set 
getting the equipment set up. So I actually wasn't physically on the set while all this equipment was being set up. I watched it all get set up later through the security footage of my neighbor, right? Who had, oh my had God, cameras. a ring camera or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like my, my buddy, my buddy and neighbor, you know, he's got a bunch of cameras, like, you know, just on top of his garage, you know, just security cameras. And like one of them is just perfectly angled, like at my Orange Grove mural and like the area in front of it. So I have all this footage of like these dudes, you know, unloading these huge projectors, like out of the back of this truck, oh, getting the forklift, lifting it up. And then they're there at like, you know, they're still there like two, three in the morning. Okay. And then it starts raining It starts raining on these guys. And so then they have to set up a freaking tent above all of the electronic equipment. Right. You know, cause just people, I really have to express how thankful and appreciative of I am of like the whole crew that helps me with this project, because I think if you're just someone who like walks by this art exhibit and you see it, you're like, Oh, cool. But you would have no idea what went into how setting much, that up. How much backbreaking labor really went into? Well, this, I mean, just just people that we talk like talk to on this podcast, and I'm sure the people that listen to this podcast, like just trying to get people to do anything. Yeah, like yeah, this was a passion project for you. Yeah, it was a total passion project for me, and I was hoping. So I had put like basically because this project really consumed like you know, full six weeks of my time. And when I mean like full six weeks, I'm talking like 80 hour work weeks. Like I was fully, I was completely unplugged from all of my clients, like actually doing real. I know you got to get, you got to make money. You got a a house that you're trying to rehab. Yeah. 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 Like I, I have a whole crew of people that were working for me. I have, you know, my own mortgage payment and food and stuff, everything, you know, so I, you know, in the GoFundMe budget, I kind of had allocated, you know, like, and was clear with everybody. Like, I'd like to pay myself, you know, like three or $4,000 for, you know, doing this whole project. Sounds fair. You know? I and mean, how long the whole project last? Like, was it? Well, the, the Blink exhibit itself lasted, you know, for four days during Blink. But, but all this but set up. Whole, and yeah. I mean, this was, this was six plus weeks. You painted the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This was six weeks of just straight busting ass. Right. And then here's the deal though. I didn't even get to pay myself that for oh, there was overruns because, or something. Yeah, there were, there were absolutely overruns. Right. And so I reached into my own park pockets to, you know, pay that out. And I think at the end of the, the whole project, I, I kept like, you know, a thousand bucks and I was like, dude, you know, the amount of driving and gas and things it's like that I did. And I had also, you know, like I said, I had, I financed the painting of the mural myself and that cost me 10 grand out of, out of my own oh, paint and everything else. So yeah. I, I felt like I had already contributed like my financial contribution. Mm-hmm. I'm also contributing my time and all this stuff. And it's like, if, if people can just help me out to cover some of the related expenses, that would be great. Tell us how people, I mean, are you doing art for people that, uh, that may want something like say somebody has a building you know, I mean, if someone wants to commission a mural with me, I mean, they can reach out and we can talk about it. The the thing that's hard is like, again, you know, kind of going back to this earlier conversation, it's like people don't want to pay like an artist's like real money. Mm-hmm. And and then it's it's really hard for me as a software engineer to like, let me step away from my computer where I'm making good money to then go 
do something for cheap for someone because they're undervaluing my work. You know right. what I mean? It's like, right. so I'm down. Like if someone hits me up and wants to do a project, I would, I would love to, but like, you know, I also want to be like paid a, like accordingly, or I actually would rather just not be paid at all and allow it to be like a generous gift from myself of my time that other people can appreciate but I feel like there's this like middle ground where like someone pays you and they only pay you a little bit and then they feel like, oh, they paid you and they're entitled to this right. thing. But like I, you know, you wasn't really compensated according, you know, to what I feel. Right. You know, so it's, I'd rather like, dude, like pay me well or just like don't pay me. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I, I don't want to. It's like, one or the other. Like, yeah. I just want to be clear on what this is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, I mean, if, if, if you're going to pay me and up, I got to deal with it, then, uh, you're just got to pay me what yeah. I need to get paid. And, and like to be clear, like, you know, this project that I did that I paid for cost me $10,000 hard expense for supplies and materials and things like that. So it's like, if I'm going to do a mural for someone, it's like, dude, that needs to be like 30 thousand dollars yeah you know what i mean like it's it's not I mean, like, it's not a project that takes a week to do i mean this no, is not like, at all i mean i worked on that thing for a month right yeah. you know so and and like that's the other thing is like the level of detail and certain things like that and also the painting of the orange grove mural like i'll be honest with you i actually deliberately and intentionally kept it like a pretty simple organic shape form because when you're working on a building that's 50 feet tall and you're trying to have, you know, tight geometric shapes or something like that. And like a, a high level of detail, all that stuff, all of that equates to more time and more time means more money, right? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm renting, uh, you know, a 50 foot tall boom lift, you know, that, that alone cost me a couple hundred bucks a day. Sure. Right. You know, so it's like, you're by adding a little more detail, you're actually adding several thousand dollars of expense to the overall project. And because this was a project that I was not commissioned for, I was not getting paid at all anything. I approached it kind of like, okay, hey, I need to get this done at this kind of time frame, this kind of budget. And tactically and deliberately, I kept this painting more on the simple side. Like if you're an artist and you're looking at this painting, you, you kind of would see it's like, okay, there's a couple of branches. There's a couple of leaves, some big orange circles. It's like, it's kind of an easy thing mm. if you're an artist to do. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, is like, you know, if you're painting an orange tree and you know, a branch, you know, tree branch goes a little to the left or a little to the right, that's okay. If you're painting someone's face, and an eyeball is a little to the left or a little to the right, that looks really weird. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the subject matter itself of what I was painting was also a very forgiving subject matter for me to work with. And that was intentional. Like when I, when I painted this mural, I actually wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to paint an orange tree. That wasn't really like my thought process. My thought process was, man, that building is really ugly. Um, I kind of wish there were a mural there. Maybe I should paint one. Well, what should I paint? Well, I need to keep it kind of simple because, you know, of logistics and expense and things Time. like that. Yeah. So like, let me, let me keep it kind of simple. So let me do something organic, you know, like what would be a good thing to have there? Well, why don't I do a tree? You know, why don't, why don't I do like a, like a cool tree? And like, 
I had done different paintings of um, like really like imaginative tree houses before. So I kind of have like a, a little bit of a series of these like, like interesting, cool tree house paintings that I've done. And I thought like, you know what, why don't I just like do one of those like large scale on this building? Yeah. Right? And so I kind of had decided like, Oh, like, let me do like, I'll paint a tree, some, you know, some kind of tree on this building. And then when I settled on that idea of a tree, then that kind of, I started to think about like, Oh, let me do an orange tree. You know, like, let me do the orange tree, like from the the stories that my dad told me about Palestine, you know, like, let me, let me do this. Like, this has a lot of meaning to my family. Um, also, you know, when my dad, you know, my dad passed away, I mean, I think about him every day and like, let me have something to like, you know, commemorate him and his memory. And sure. I, I think that this, this orange tree, it you know, it, it doesn't just symbolize, you know, Palestine and, you know, Palestinian stuff and like the, the history of, you know, old stories back home. It also actually, you know, symbolizes like just me sitting with my dad, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Me being in Egypt, you know, flying out to Egypt to sit with my dad, hang out with him, have a conversation with him. And, and just, you know, we would like sit outside of his flat, um, and we would drink tea and there was a little mint, uh, garden, uh, outside of his, uh, building. And so, you know, I have very vivid memories of sitting outside with my dad drinking tea and he would always pluck, um, you know, a mint leaf from the, the little mint bush and, you know, kind of crinkle it with his fingers and put it in his tea. And it, oh, had, interesting. And it has this like very aromatic, you know, so like all of these, like all of these stories, you know, all of this is kind of like in that painting, which is awesome. You know, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, tell people how they can reach out to you. How, how can they find you? How can they, uh, uh I know you mentioned you were doing some real estate projects and yeah. you're, you're trying to, you're looking for, uh, some hard money lenders or something to yeah. invest in some of these projects. Yeah. So you can hit me up. I mean, I have an email address, like, uh, welcome to Jaffa at gmail.com. Uh, so all one word. So welcome to, and then Jaffa is J A F F A. So welcome to Jaffa at gmail.com also at welcome to Jaffa on Instagram. Um, and then crazy plot twist to this whole story. So in the background of, you know, painting this mural and stuff on this building, I actually had a, I had a lawsuit. I had litigation against the building, um, with a neighbor of mine, we both sued together to gain title of this building because it was abandoned and no one was taking care of it. And there were stacks of maintenance orders, you know, against this building. So after a couple of years, this was, you know, a couple year long court battle, um, we actually won title to the building. And so now I actually have the title to the So building. now the, the, the mural can stay up. There. Yeah. Yeah. So now I actually own the building. Um, I have title, I've got it free and clear. Um, but the building is abandoned, right? You know, it's, it has leaky roof, rotten floor joists. It like the whole building needs to be totally renovated. Right. And I've managed construction projects before I'm looking at this building and I'm, I'm thinking like, you know what, man, I think I can actually get this done. I think it's, you know, we could do this for a couple hundred thousand bucks. And so now what I'm doing is I'm running around and I'm shaking branches and I'm trying to see, you know, who, who would like to be involved in, you know, lending on a, on this construction project that has, you know, pretty cool backstories of the whole deal. Um, I think I always like working on cool projects. I think this project is, is a cool thing. Yeah. Know? 
Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to see if I can raise the funds to, you know, get the renovation on this building done. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything up online that people could kind of like look at like a, like a plan for the building? Are you going to rent it out? Are you going to turn it into apartments or yeah, what do you want to so, do? You know, I mean, my, my idea is I would like to renovate it. It's it, it, currently it's set up as a multifamily for, you know, four units. The building is four stories tall. There's, you know, one unit on each floor. Um, it's currently set up as like three bedroom, one bath on each floor, mm -hmm. but the way that it's currently laid out is like pretty small and tight and, and cramped. I think that it would actually be a lot better to demo, demo the place out. And instead of trying to cram three bedrooms in there, I would just do a two bedroom layout. Hey, so, Bill puts a big closet. Yeah. In there larger, larger, more spacious mm -hmm. uh, rooms. You know, I think it would feel a lot nicer. Um, it's in an area where there's a lot of new development going on. I think it would be great to, you know, be a part of that energy down yeah. there. Um, I mean, and, yeah. Finley market area. You got a building down there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like solid. It's solid. So, um, so I, I was thinking of, you know, renovating the building, keeping it long-term and like renting, renting the apartments out. Um, and then I, you know, maybe down the line when I want to sell or something, I might s sell the whole building itself or, you know, I could turn them into condos just with a little bit of legal filing. You can mm -hmm. section it into condos and sell them individually. So, um, but, you know, that's all kind of like down the line, you know, my thing right now is just like, you know, can I shake, shake some branches and, you know, get some fruit and, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and see if anyone wants to lend on, on this like thing. It. And, you know, and I, I have a bit of, you know, equity and property already myself that like, you know, I'm not just running around looking for you money. Borrow I, against I, that. I have something to borrow against, you yeah. know? And, and, and so if someone wants to reach out and is interested in helping fund this deal, that would be, that would be awesome. Well, one side of the know? building's painted. So you don't yeah. have to pay for that again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jason, man, thanks for being on the show, man. This has been awesome. And guys, I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're hearing from someone who put his own money in his time and uh, was able to go out and do a GoFundMe to just for a pet project. I mean, that, you know, to honor your people and honor your father uh, and the other gentleman you spoke about. And, you know, you guys can get off your butts yeah. and, and, and do something. I mean, it's you're working a nine to five job. You're doing something. We talk about this all the time on the show. Yeah. I mean, to build something and to create something and, and, you know, your painting of this building that you weren't even allowed to do yeah, yeah. turned into now you owning the building yeah, yeah. and now you're like, well, Hey, I might as well fix this up. Yeah. We need yeah. more housing in Cincinnati. Yeah. Dude, you're just solving all kinds of problems. I'm with just one know, building. I'm, try I'm trying to, I'm trying to, but you're one person and you're yeah. able to make an impact. I'm trying, you know, I appreciate that, man. Like I, I, I'm just, I wake up, I do my thing. I kind of. I'm focused on, you know, the things I'm focused on and it's, you know, the side hustle is real, right? You know, you always got to have a side hustle. This is kind of like my little side hustle. And the way I do things is like, they're, they're all slow plans that are kind of churning in the background, mm -hmm. right? You know, this was a three year long lawsuit that we finally won out on, you know, and, and I have other projects that are like another type of lawsuit, another type of thing, another type of, you know, whatever, where I think, Hey, you know, this is a viable project or this is a viable case or whatever it is. And I just have them like slowly churning in the background. And then obviously I'm doing my day to day, which is, you know, designing and programming websites. You know, we just actually launched a whole new fleet of websites for the East coast hockey league. So, Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice, man. So, you know, that's a fun project doing, doing my thing, just, you know, keeping the side hustle going as well. 
Well, let's let's keep it going for you. Yeah. Awesome, Jason. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show, sir. Cool. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Side Hustle City. Well, you've heard from our guests. Now let's hear from you. Join our community on Facebook, Side Hustle City. It's a group where people share ideas, share their inspirational stories, and motivate each other to be successful and turn their side hustle into their main hustle. We'll see you there, and we'll see you next week on the show. Thank you.